Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we start by recapping an Orioles victory as the O's even the series with Seattle with a 9-2 victory over the Mariners. I'll get you the five things you need to know from a pretty impressive Orioles win. Then we talk about Ramon Arias, who had a home run in the Orioles' win on Wednesday night. But more importantly, after a slow start to the season for Arias, he is finally starting to pick it up with the bat over the last two weeks. And Ben Palmer, who writes for Pitcher List and covers the Orioles for Baltimore Sports and Life, is going to join the pod once again to talk about Arias, why his numbers were down early in the year, and why his numbers are finally starting to climb for the Orioles here recently. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's start today with an Orioles victory. O's win it 9-2 over the Mariners at Camden Yards on Wednesday night, evening the three-game set at one game apiece. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the O's 9-2 victory that brought them to 22-30 and on the season. And the first thing you need to know is that, well, the ball was flying out of the yard at Camden Yards on Wednesday night. Now, listen, there were at least one, well, there was one home run hit by the Seattle Mariners, J.P. Crawford with a solo shot in the fourth inning, but it was the Orioles who did most of the long balls. Four home runs for the O's on the night, including three in the sixth inning. It was the Orioles' first three-home run inning since they did it in the third inning back in September of 2020 against the Atlanta Braves. But this one, well, the balls were crushed. Ryan Mountcastle hit a solo home run. Then Ramon Urias hit a solo home run. And then a little later in the inning, it was Trey Mancini who hit a two-run home run to put a five spot on the board and basically break it open. It went from four to two to nine to two in that inning. And it was pretty nice for Trey, who in his last at-bat in the fifth inning had hit a ball off the very top of the new giant wall in left field, which would have been a home run in every other ballpark and would have been a home run last year at Camden Yards, but hit it off the very top of the wall. It was 411 feet, 106.4 miles per hour off the bat, a 920 expected batting average ended in a double. Luckily, Austin Hayes singled him home, but uh, yeah, he got his revenge hitting a two-run shot out into the bullpen, his next at-bat, and the Orioles gave him a little silent treatment uh, when he came back into the dugout, which was fun to see. But those were the three home runs. The fourth one got it started. A Rugnet Odor three-run bomb in the second inning to open the scoring off of Mariners starter Robbie Ray. And he crushed that thing into right field. 381 feet, 104 off the bat for Odor. And uh, that's what they did. Pretty impressive sixth inning. Orias and Mountcastle each hit it over 105 miles per hour off the bat. Arias 409 over the big wall and left. Mountcastle 426 in terms of feet and distance traveled over the wall in left. Fun to see the ball fly out of the yard. Second thing you need to know in this one, sticking with the offense, although he didn't go yard in this one, big bounce back game for Cedric Mullins, who went two for five with a double, a single, an RBI, and three hard hit balls 
on the day for the Orioles. And it was a tough matchup for him with a really good lefty in Robbie Ray on the mound. But Mullins did get one hit against Ray and then had an RBI double later in the game once Ray had left. But the swings looked good. Again, three hard hit balls for Mullins in this one, who has been struggling just a little bit. But seems like, you know, at least one to turn it around. And that double he hit to right field was scorched 108 off the bat on his double. He certainly hit the ball hard in this one. And for Mullins, hopefully this can turn into more good things moving forward. And we can see the stats get a little closer to what they were in 2021. Third thing you need to know from this one is that switching things to the mound, Kyle Bradish, although he didn't get deep into the game, certainly bounced back for the Orioles in this one. After back-to-back rough starts for Bradish, he goes four and two-thirds in this one, allowing two runs on six hits. Struck out six, walked two, and did give up that solo homer to J.P. Crawford in the fourth inning, but he throws 80 pitches, lowers his ERA to 6.82 on the season, and only six hard-hit balls against Bradish in this one. And really, you know, his command was certainly a little erratic early. He only walked two batters, but he got behind a lot of guys. But he got 10 whiffs on 36 swings on those 80 pitches. Four of them came from the slider. What's new? But the pitch that really, really impressed me, didn't throw it much at all, but when he did, it was nasty, was that changeup. Listen, he was heavy, heavy on the fastball, heavier than we've seen him. 47 fastballs, 59% fastballs, then 19 sliders, nine curveballs, and he threw only five changeups on the day. But those five changeups were absolutely nasty. He threw one of the five changeups for a ball, and the other four changeups were pretty good. Two of them were taken for called strikes. And two of them were completely nasty 91-mile-per-hour changeups that were swung and missed at by lefties running down and away out of the zone. And again, it's his least-used pitch, only threw five of them out of 80 pitches tonight. But I really liked what I saw from that pitch, and hopefully he can use that moving forward. The other thing that was nice for Bradish, the velo was up across the board. His average on the velo, 94.7 on the year. On his fastball, he averaged 96.1 miles per hour on the fastball, maxed out at 98.4 miles an hour with the four-seamer tonight. All good signs for Bradish. You would have liked him to get further into the game, only goes four and two-thirds, but much better than what has happened the last couple of starts, and he seems to be back on track for the Orioles. Fourth thing you need to know in this one for the Birds is that, uh, well, ho-hum, here comes the Oriole bullpen doing what the Oriole bullpen does. After Bradish leaves, four and two-thirds on the day. Just a casual four and a third scoreless innings of baseball for the Orioles relievers. CNL Perez really got the one and only high pressure out, it seemed like, for the Oriole bullpen. Came in in a 3-2 game with runners on first and second and two outs in the fifth when Bradish left and uh, got a little pop-up to end the inning. Uh, off the bat of J.P. Crawford, came back out, put up a zero in the sixth. They turned it over to Felix Bautista, who did walk a batter. The command was not great, but he got a big double play to get himself out of a jam in the inning. And then came Keegan Aiken, who really kind of struggled a bit for the first time all season when he pitched Saturday in Boston, came back for the first time since then. Easy money for Aiken, six up, six down. Now, it wasn't a high leverage spot. It was 9-2 to two in the 8th when Aiken entered, but 6 up, 6 down with a strikeout, just 18 pitches to close out the 9-2 to two win for Keegan Aiken, who just continued to do what he's done all season, throw a whole lot of strikes 
and throw the fastball for strikes, throw good sliders. It was just all the goods again for Aiken, who after giving up two runs his last time out, just goes out there and lowers his ERA once again. Still kind of can't believe it's happening, but Aiken has a 1.60 ERA. And the fifth and final thing you need to know actually doesn't have to do with the Orioles game as they beat the Mariners 9-2 on Wednesday night. It had to do with what was going on in AAA Norfolk. Grayson Rodriguez made his 11th AAA start of the season. And as I talked about on Wednesday's episode, I thought this would be Grayson's last AAA start. I predicted him to make his Major League debut next Tuesday at Camden Yards against the Cubs. Well, we may have to hit the brakes on that one. Grayson was cruising once again, five scoreless innings for him. He comes back out in the sixth inning for Norfolk, gets two outs on two pitches, but the second pitch he throws, which ended up being a fly out to left field for the second out of the inning, it was a fastball that registered only 89 miles per hour on the gun. That's a little concerning because Rodriguez averages in the mid-90s and gets up to 97 and 98 sometimes with a fastball. So when he throws 89, you become concerned. He stayed out there for a little bit, got the ball back from his infield, turned around, and then out comes... Buck Britton, the manager, Justin Ramsey, the pitching coach, and the Norfolk Tides athletic trainer all come out to the mound, joined by the catcher and the infield. They chat with Rodriguez for a while. He never tries to throw a warm-up pitch. He was never shaking anything out. The trainer didn't even really examine him at all on the mound, and he just walks out of the game after five and two-thirds pretty dominant innings, scoreless, had allowed just two hits, did not walk anyone, had six strikeouts, and comes out of the game. So the initial report, you know, about a half hour later from Andy Koska of the Baltimore Sun saying a source told him uh, that it was a cramp for Grayson Rodriguez, that he felt a cramp in his back and that he would undergo further testing. And then the Orioles announced later in the night that it was lat soreness for Grayson Rodriguez, a lat injury, also, you know, a back injury, but a little more specific they put it with a lat injury, and I thought the, you know, the best look at it came from Dan Connolly of The Athletic, who tweeted a little more context for the lat injury for Rodriguez, said lat discomfort in the shoulder and back area is something lefty John Means has dealt with over the years. Sometimes he pitched through it, other times he spent time on the IL. Until they get further tests, it's impossible to know whether Grayson Rodriguez will miss time with it. But I will tell you this, even if it's a simple little basically non-injury, I can almost guarantee you that with Rodriguez leaving this start, he is not going to be starting next week in Camden Yards. I can almost assure you he's going to make at least one more AAA start. Even if he doesn't go on the IL, even if he's okay, they're probably going to be cautious, have him start at least one more time in Norfolk after this. Just really unfortunate. Obviously, we'll wait for more testing to see how severe the injury is. Hopefully, it's nothing. You know, maybe he misses one start and then he's back to, to ready to go and we see him in Baltimore soon. But he was so, so close. And I really did think this would be his last AAA start. We'd see him pitching for the Orioles next week. Just seems like that's not going to happen now. And hopefully, the injury is not too severe. But whenever we get an update on Grayson Rodriguez, of course, we will have it for you right here on the pod. But switching things back to the major league level, O's win 9-2 on Wednesday night, and Ramon Arias hit another home run. His second in three games gave Arias his only hit of the night. He also struck out twice, one for four with the solo homer, but he did have two hard hit balls. He crushed that home run to left field off of Sergio Romo, and his offensive stats continue to creep up and up after kind of a slow start to the season. And coming up after the break, 
Ben Palmer is going to join us, who's been on this pod a few times before, an Orioles fan who writes for Pitcher List, covers fantasy baseball over there, but also now writes for Baltimore Sports and Life, covering all things Orioles. And Ben's going to join us to talk about what led to Ramona Rios' slow start this year, why his expected stats were much better than his actual stats, and what has changed for Arias over the last two weeks that has helped him break out of this slump and what we could expect from Ramona Rios going forward in this 2022 season. So that's all coming up with Ben Palmer coming up right after this. But first, got to tell you about rockauto.com, which is the best place for all the parts your car could ever need. Because with all the parts that, that any car would need, all the makes and models, it's seemingly now impossible for a local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Why would you go into an auto parts store, have somebody big time you, you know, just tell you that they're smarter than you and that they know more than you? Instead, you have a computer, you have a phone, and you have access to rockauto.com where you can save time and money. So why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business. Been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. And the best part for me, I don't know anything about cars, but their website makes it so easy to find what I need. I feel like I do know something. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, so we welcome Ben Palmer back into the podcast, who covers fantasy baseball over at Pitcher List. He's been on this pod a few times before and also is now doing some writing covering the Orioles, his favorite team over at Baltimore Sports and Life. And Ben, first of all, welcome back into the pod. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always fun to be here. Yeah, we had a little uh, technical difficulties getting this uh, interview finally started, uh, but here we are as we had to switch platforms a couple of times, but but we made it happen. And speaking of uh, you know some issues getting started, that was Ramona Rios so far this year. After a really, really good 2021, not as good as that transition, but a really, really good 2021 that showed that I think everybody in Birdland thought you know, the infield has a lot of questions, but the one answer we know is that Ramona Rios is going to be playing one of these positions. And then he started off really, really slow to the season. You wrote about kind of why he started slow, even though some of the underlying numbers were okay. Kind of what was that big reason why you know, he was barely treading above water above 200 for most of the early part of the season? Yeah, I mean, even now he's still hitting just like 232, even with some of his recent success. But the thing that kind of started it, I was every now and then I like to go through the uh, some of the leaderboards on Statcast, especially like you know looking at who's hitting the ball really hard. And um, Urias was near the top of the pack in hard hit rate, which uh, Statcast defines as percentage of balls hit at least 95 miles an hour. Even like right now, he has the 20th highest hard hit rate in all of baseball. He has a higher hard hit rate than Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and uh, a lot of guys, you know, Marcelo Zuna, Rowdy Telez, guys who hit the ball really, really hard. Uh, Urias has a higher hard hit rate than them. So I was looking into it and I'm like, why, why is he hitting the ball so well, uh, so hard and, uh, and playing so poorly? I mean, is it all bad luck? What's going on? Cause Normal. I mean, it's not, you know, 
crazy to say when you hit the ball hard, generally good things happen. Um, and I was looking into it and I found out that he was crushing the ball. It's just, he was crushing the ball directly into the ground. Uh, he had a, uh, so at the time I wrote this, I wrote this article about a, a week ago. So at the time I wrote it, um, of the 31 balls at the time that Urias had hit with an exit velocity of at least a hundred miles an hour. So this isn't, you know, this is hard hit rate is at least 95. These are the ones that are really hard, at least a hundred. Over half, 58%, had a launch angle of 10 degrees or lower, which is classified uh, by MLB as a ground ball. And just under a quarter had a launch angle of zero degrees or lower. So I mean directly into the ground. So you can hit the ball super, super hard all you want. If it's going right into the ground, it's not really going to be a hit often. You'll get, you'll get some of those hot ground balls that will go through the infield. But if you want to be hitting the ball, uh, if you want to get a lot of hits, you got to hit it hard and also give it some loft or else it's just going to be a ground ball out. Yeah, we saw a little bit of loft, at least from him. He hit a a long two-run homer in Boston on Monday night. But all of a sudden, you know, he's he still hasn't gotten that launch angle average up enough. I believe it's still under 10 degrees as we talk here on Wednesday afternoon, but, you know, you mentioned, you know, he's above Harper and and Machado, you know, he right now going into play on Wednesday, was it 50.8% on the hard hit percentage? I mean, Mike Trout is 51.3% and he's looking like the Mike Trout we know so far this season. So Ramon is, is up there with all those guys. And, you know, something you wrote about a bit is that, you know, he, he does need to start lofting the ball a little bit, but also that, you know, he was, he, he's swinging a little bit more. He's not exactly using, all the fields so far, at least he wasn't early in the season. And I don't know if it's just him evolving as a hitter, you know, teams pitching him differently, but it, it was interesting to see, you know, that, that it just, just hasn't been that he's knocking the ball straight into the ground. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's being a lot more aggressive at the plate, which I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but the problem is uh, so his swing rate, I posted some graphs of these in the article his swing rate has gone up to, um, you know, a pretty high level, higher than it usually has been in his career. But along with that, he's swinging more at uh, balls outside of the strike zone. Uh, and he is uh, his swinging strike percentage. So percentage of balls that he has just swung and missed at is also going up. You're seeing a, a trend is as the swing rate goes up, those are going up as well. And unsurprisingly, that means his strikeout rate is going up and his walk rate is going down. That's a little bit concerning to me. Uh, he's clearly, you know, he's clearly made a decision to be more aggressive at the plate to try and hit the ball harder, um, which can work. But, you know, it is a little concerning to me that he's chasing uh, pitches outside of the zone more than before. Um, cause I mean, you can go up there, some guys, you know, Adam Jones succeeded at swinging at everything. Jonathan scope has succeeded to an extent at swinging at everything and just happening to hit it. That approach can work, but it's, those guys are more the exception than the rule. So yeah, yeah that it's a combination of those things that have kind of led to that slow start. And those guys too, you know, when they did make contact, good launch angle. They hit the ball in the air a lot and they hit the ball at the ballpark a lot. And, you know, we're seeing kind of the, also right now in Detroit, we're seeing kind of the downslope of what happens to Jonathan scope when, when that stops yep. working as well. And 
he has not been a very good major league baseball player over the past yeah. few years, unfortunately. But for Arias, you know, things have kind of turned around a little bit. I mentioned the home run he hit on Monday night. He's got hits in nine of his last 11 games, including multi-hit games in three of those. And he's starting to pick up some more extra base hits as well, which is is big for him. And they're not necessarily homers, but he's hitting more doubles. And you posted a graphic of this on Wednesday morning. Essentially, it's what you talked about. He's hitting the ball just as hard but he's starting to lift it in the air just enough to where, you know, they're turning into extra base hits. Yeah. Uh, over the past two weeks, he is slashing 298, 353, 511, which is phenomenal. That's just, I mean, that's great across the board and something that has happened. So starting coming into uh, two weeks ago, his launch angle from the start of the season up until two weeks ago was about 7.1 degrees. Over the past two weeks, that's gone up to 13.1 degrees of an average launch angle. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty noticeable jump. Whether he keeps that up or not, we'll see. But I'm really hopeful he will, because if he can raise that launch angle, if he is still hitting the ball at a 50% hard hit rate clip and he brings up his launch angle to 13 to 15 degrees on average, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be hitting a ton of home runs. He'll definitely hit more, but raising that launch angle and hitting the ball that hard, he's going to have a lot more hits and probably a lot more doubles if he's hitting it that far to the wall, especially if he, you know, in uh, uh, Camden Yards, if he's pulling the ball to that, uh, that the new wall, that's there's going to be plenty of room. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's also not slow. So there's going to be plenty of room for him to get doubles and stuff. So that's what I think has been helping a lot the past couple weeks uh i hope it's still the same the uh strikeout rate is still kind of the same walk rate still kind of the same plate discipline hasn't really changed at all so that's still a little bit concerning but the fact that he's bringing up his uh launch angle while still hitting the ball really hard is really encouraging so we'll get back to talking ramon arias with ben palmer in just a second but first got to tell you about blue nile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment you can find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. That's the best part. You get help at BlueNile.com for someone who probably knows a lot more than you do about what the perfect ring is should be. And if you're having trouble choosing, the jewelry experts are on hand 24-7 to help you out. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings as well. So use the code LOCKEDON. That is code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. So we're here with Ben Palmer of Pitcher List, who's also doing some writing over Baltimore sports and life covering the Orioles and uh, wrote about Ramon Arias, his slow start, and what's helped him pick it up a little bit. So we've, we've dove into the numbers here about, you know, why he started slow. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about the expected batting average for Arias as well, which has been way, way higher uh, than his actual batting average all season. So the question kind of becomes now, all right, you know, maybe the swing strike rate is still a little high. The walks are a little down, but he's hitting the ball hard still. He's lofting the ball and he's getting more hits. So as we look down the road for Ramon Arias, 
who I think put himself in, in a more questionable position moving forward with the Orioles with this slow start. You know, where do you see him falling in for the rest of the year? The O's have kind of shown us that they don't really want to play him at shortstop, but they want him in the lineup. So do you see him being a guy who, you know, with some competition, not a lot of competition coming this year, do you see him being a guy that's in there pretty much every day for the rest of the season? I think, you know, what whatever stats that we're talking about, the Orioles know all of that in 10 times more. So I guarantee they they know how well he's been hitting the ball and some of the bad luck, you know, I, I, we haven't really talked much about, there is a lot of bad luck in play as well. You mentioned his expected batting average. He has one of the um, largest, the 35th largest gap in all of baseball between his actual and expected batting average. Actual right now is 232. Expected is 280. Uh, Fun fact, Ryan Mountcastle has the 12th biggest gap. Uh, His actual is 261. His uh, expected is 321. Not surprising. Yeah. But there's been a lot of bad luck, I think, for Urias. So I think some of that is going to normalize. Generally speaking, if there's anything I've learned from watching baseball, it's that the law of averages tends to win more often than not. Um, I'm not saying he's going to hit, you know, 280 all of a sudden the rest of the year. He might. uh, But I think, you know, the the Baltimore Orioles know Urias is hitting the ball hard. He's making some changes. uh, And so I think they will keep playing him if they believe that he can be better and that things are going to be getting better on the horizon. So yeah. I think I, I think he's going to still be out there. And his his defense, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. So I think it'll keep him out there. And he's shown an ability. Honestly, I felt like his best position has been third base, at least defensively. And, and he can play short and he can play second. And listen, he was a waiver claim, you know, from a guy who never really could get a spot in St. Louis with all the infielders they have run through. They just didn't give Arias that shot. And uh, now he's getting it in Baltimore. And, and you mentioned the bad luck. And obviously, you know, as you said, the averages will bring him back and and he'll continue to contribute. And maybe he'll look more like he did last year once those averages come together. But, you know, we're talking Ramon Arias. And it, it seems like when he comes up, he brings up a, a bigger picture question about him and the Orioles because he's not Rugnet Odor, who is a veteran who the O's have probably been happy with what he's given to the team this year. But I don't think they expect him to be with the Orioles next year. And he's not, you know, Ryland Bannon, and he's certainly not Gunnar Henderson or Jordan Westberg, who are prospects they're kind of hoping for or hoping for a lot from. He is right smack dab in the middle with, you know, kind of a guy like Jorge Mateo. And I just, you know, as someone who obviously follows the Orioles closely, wanted to get your thoughts on just Arias as a beyond 2022 player because next year is the year where all these elite infield prospects that the Orioles have are going to be banging on the door in the big leagues. And Arias doesn't give what Mateo does in defense, in speed, in versatility to play the outfield a little bit. So I guess that is a long way of saying, does he have a big league future with a team that's trying to compete? I think he, I think he might, it may not be with the Orioles though. Uh, like you said, you know, he's, he's 28 years old. Uh, you, you know, when the Orioles are competitive, you know, knock on wood in, you know, a couple years, he'll be in his early or his early thirties. You know, is he a difference maker that you hang on to him while he's on the downslope? 
I don't know that he is. I think um, he's a guy who, and I should mention, I said his defense isn't great. I actually just took a look. He actually uh, has six defensive runs saved at the third base position right now, which is really, really solid. Uh, it's not like, you know, a gold glover, but like having positive DRS is is really good. I mean, it's uh, it's up there. Um, so he's been solid at third base. They've kind of needed a, a solid third baseman. Um, so I he's a guy I could see him if these changes are legit and he starts raking over the next month or a month and a half. I could easily see him being a trade chip. Uh, for some more, you know, some other young guys, or, uh, you know, he spends another, he spends the whole season with the Orioles and then is either an off season trade chip or a next year trade chip. If he continues to be successful, if he doesn't, these changes don't stick and he starts hitting like 200 again, then, you know, it's, you cut your losses and it's not like he was this, you know, top prospect that we invested a whole lot in. He was a waiver claim and you know, we're happy with what we've got so far. So I, I can see that. I don't, I don't see him being on the Orioles in four years, you know, when, when the, all the prospects are up and like, that's our chance at being a competitive team. Yeah. And, and I think he's been a pretty, at least last year, been a pretty perfect placeholder piece. I mean, a guy who can hit a little bit, can play multiple yeah. positions and was just a guy looking for that chance who was kind of blocked in another organization and got the chance here and the O's have have held on to him and you know he didn't perform you know at the level that maybe a guy like a, a Galvis or an Iglesias and wasn't a you know veteran like those guys who the Orioles were willing to kind of ship away in trades very quickly he's more seemingly like the Orioles guy and, and you know he came up in 2020 and I was calling for him to come up all year in that shortened season he was at the alternate site after the Orioles had claimed him and he came up and, you know, hit pretty well. And like that one week he was up and I couldn't believe that guys like Andrew Velasquez uh, and Pat Faleco were getting at bats over him yeah. all year. And then he showed that he deserved it last year. Now he's starting to, to show it as well. And Ben, last thing before I let you go, you know, we're, you're looking at all these advanced numbers on Ramon Arias as you watch him kind of the rest of the year, you know, we obviously watch the hard hit rate because it continues to get better and better, but you talked about a, a couple of different things in terms of the swinging strike and, and, you know, his, his walk rate and the launch angle, you know, what's one thing that, that O's fans should kind of pay attention to, you know, what's one of those stats that, that really may be the most important for him to at least getting back to the production we saw at times last year. Yeah. Pay attention to how many ground balls he's hitting. Uh, because if that launch angle rise doesn't stick, you're going to start seeing a whole bunch more balls right into the ground. So you pay attention to that and also pay attention to just how much he's swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. Uh, that is definitely, it's rare for somebody to have a very high chase rate and be successful because then pitchers can know, Oh, well, I don't need to throw a strike to this guy. And they'll just start throwing outside the strike zone all the time. So those are the two things I would pay attention to. Also, just first, I got the leaderboards on defensive runs saved among third basemen. Right now, the leader is Nolan Arenado, no surprise, uh, with eight. And uh, Urias has six. So pretty, good. pretty solid third baseman so far. Uh, I mean, that's six is more than what Anthony Rendon has. It's more than Machado, more than Matt Chapman. I mean, more than early, Machado. More than Machado so far, so far it's, it's early. Uh, but I mean, that just kind of speaks to he's, he's 
been pretty good uh, on defense. But yeah, anyways, plate discipline and ground balls. That's what I would be paying attention to with Urias. Yeah, it's been fun to at least see him start to break out of it a little bit over the past couple of weeks, which you talked about, Ben. And hopefully that continues because now with Adley Rutschman up and, you know, the lineup looking a lot more basically just it's just looking a lot better with Hadley Rutschman in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, if Ramona Rios is hitting seventh and is producing, you know, this, this lineup becomes a lot scarier as we saw at times, especially yeah. in Boston over the weekend. But Ben, thank you so much uh, for joining us once again, let everybody know where they can follow you on Twitter and where they can find your writing, whether it's at pitcher list or BSL or wherever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my, I'm on Twitter at Ben J Palmer. Uh, and yeah, I'm writing for pitcher list doing lots of, uh, fantasy writing and other, you know, non-fantasy writing over there. I do a lot of, you know, big research pieces and stuff over there too, every now and then. And yeah, I've been doing some Orioles coverage for Baltimore sports and life, Baltimore sports and life.com. Uh, feel free to check that out with all the, uh, get out all my Orioles stuff over there that, you know, maybe, People of Pitcherless don't really care about, you know, Ramon Urias or whatever, but uh, but I do. I do. Yeah, we, People of Baltimore Sports and Life do too. And the <laughs> listeners of Locked on Orioles, they yes. care about it as well, which is why we had yeah. you on. But Ben, thank you so much. That was Ben Palmer of Pitcherless and Baltimore Sports and Life talking all things Ramon Urias as his bat starts to heat up. We'll be back for one more episode this week coming up on Friday, recapping the final game between the Orioles and the Mariners. A little Farm Friday segment. Take a look down in the minor league system to see who's been performing well over the last couple of weeks for the O's. And then preview the weekend series between the Orioles and the Guardians in Baltimore. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. <laughs>